2 Kings chapter number 9 and verse number 30. When Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. When he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go see now this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her and found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. And wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. Verse number 30 tonight, I'll take my text. And the Word of God said, When Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace, who slew his master? And if the Lord will help me tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject of Zimri's dead. Now who are you going to blame? When you see this story unfold, there's a great big picture that's entailed here. You see that the Lord has already sent forth Elijah, and then Elijah's gone, and he sends Elisha, and the instructions were to anoint Jehu to be king of Israel of the northern kingdom. And Elisha goes and sends one of the sons of the prophets and anoints Jehu to be king. And you see at this time Jehu begins a series of events that comes about. Ahab is already dead. Ahab's son is sitting on the throne. Ahab's wicked wife Jezebel is still seated in the palace. And as this comes about, Jehu comes on the scene He's already killed Jezebel's son. There's 70 sons of Ahab. They're about to die a cruel death according to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord and the judgment of God has already been spoken on Jezebel. And everything that you see come about in this story is according to the word of the Lord. Everything that takes place is according to exactly what God said. Tonight, most people in this world have a real serious problem with what God says. Most people don't have a problem with religion. Most people don't have a problem with the church. Most people don't have a problem with the Bible. They've never read it. They don't have any idea what it says. But most people have a serious problem.
problem with what God says. And the reason that's not usually manifest is because most people don't deal with what God says. But if you find yourself on God's side dealing with God's Word and what God says, you'll find out real quick you ain't going to be popular. And the Word of God says when this comes about, The man who was looking out over the wall sees the furious driving of the chariot and knows Jehu's coming to the city. Word gets to Jezebel, Jehu's come. And Jezebel painted her face, tired her head, and looked out the window. Three things tonight. Number one, she painted her face. That means that Jezebel darkened the flesh around her eyes to enhance her beauty and to embellish her natural features, to draw attention and attraction to her eyes, to make them appear larger and more attractive than what they really were. In other words, tonight she was unwilling to be seen publicly for who and what she really was. She did not want to face Jehu without a cheap exterior paint job that covered what was really on her inside. That reminds you of anything you've ever seen in a Baptist church. Genuine Christian behavior, genuine Christian integrity, And genuine Christian character is not necessarily what you see inside the four walls of this building. It ain't hard to act spiritual in here. But let me tell you something about genuine Christian integrity and genuine Christian character. Is what you do in secret when and where you know You'll never be seen, and nobody will ever know what you really did. Genuine Christian character is built on what you do in secret that you know nobody is ever going to know about. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you find yourself in the deep recesses of your soul? If you were to be absolutely, perfectly honest tonight, do you have a secret world outside the walls of this church that tonight if that world were brought into the pulpit of Flint Hill Baptist Church and exposed for what it is, you would be sorely humiliated and embarrassed by what was seen? Would you be embarrassed if the people in this building tonight heard the conversations that you've spoken in some private secret place with the language you've used, the character that you've shown, the attitude that you've displayed and how you've talked about the things of God and the people of God. Would you be humiliated if Preacher Mike stood you up tonight and said, would you like to share that with the rest of the congregation? There ain't no use to look for no place on the carpet you're too big to crawl under there. I'm asking you, if we were to expose it all tonight, would you be embarrassed and would you be humiliated and would you weep bitter tears? 
The Word of God tells us explicitly that that that's done in secret will be heralded from the rooftops. In the judgment of God, there'll be no secrets and there'll be no stone unturned. There'll be no thing in your life that will not be exposed. Let me ask you this tonight. You can come in here and you can say amen. You can wave your hand. You can carry your Bible, sing in the choir. You can do a whole lot of little offices in the church. But let me just ask you, what do you do in private? I mean, when there's nobody looking, when there's nobody around to see what little websites you go to on the Internet, when there's nobody there to see just exactly what it is you're listening to on the radio, let me ask you this tonight. You say you're saved. You say you're born of the Spirit of God. In secret, in private, in dark, when there's nobody around, what kind of fellowship do you have with the sacred Son of God? I mean, when your wife's not home, fella, are you looking to dig through the channels on television and find some filth before Mama gets home? Or is it a good time you can just be quiet and get along with God? What do you do in secret? What do you do in private? I'm going to tell you I bless the name of Jesus that I'll never have to face the things I've done in secret in my past life, Brother Jesse. They ain't coming out. They're under the blood of Jesus Christ. The Son of God died on Calvary's hill to save me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I'll never have to face that mess again. I thank God when Miss Lori went across town this evening, to spend some time with the precious saint of God that needed a little bit of encouragement. And she had left. My house was empty. And I walked upstairs. And God, the Holy Ghost nudged my heart. And I began to walk around in the living room and in the kitchen. And God began to thrill my soul. I said, Lord, don't let me forget it. Walked back in the bedroom and got my ink pen and started jotting down notes as the Holy Ghost thrilled my soul and began to feed me. I'm telling you, you're saved by the grace of God. You may be a new convert. You might have not learned a whole lot yet about fellowship with God. But I'm going to tell you, when you get alone in the dark, you ain't just looking for an opportunity to sin. There'll be some fellowship you can have with God. I'm going to tell you what, when the emotions of this thing are gone, the feelings fail, the emotions fade and reality sets in, are you able to just be what you are and who you are for the glory of God? I mean, can you just be who you are? Or do you have to come to church and put on your paint job before you get here? Jezebel did. Some of you ladies know what it's like to be tired and feel bad. And sometimes my wife will look at me and I'll say, Honey, let's run and get a bite to eat. She said, I ain't put a stitch of makeup on. I say, Come on, honey, let's go. Hey, some of you poor, unfortunate Fellas, some little old girl's going to latch on to you one day. She's going to pretty up and get her a new do. She's going to get her pretty dress, put on them high heel shoes, and you're going to say, I do. A few weeks later, when that honeymoon's over, you're going to wake up to greasy hair, bad breath, and fuzzy bedroom slippers. (laughs) 
That's what Andy told me. I ain't been married that long. I ain't no dummy. Hey, when reality sets in, your love life's a whole lot more than what's on the outside. Brother Jesse, my wife knows what it is to see me with a stomach virus and a cold sweat laying in the bathroom floor. She loves me anyway, Miss Donna. In the good times and in the bad, she loves me anyway. And if you know Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Savior, it's a whole lot more than what goes on in this building. He'll meet with you when you're riding down the road in your automobile. There have been some times God got the blessing my soul, Brother Jody. I had to get somewhere and pull off the road and gain my composure before I could even go on because God's real to me a whole lot more than in this pulpit. Amen. The first thing Jezebel had to do was paint her face. And the Word of God said, secondly, she tired her head. That was her royal garb. She did not have the attire of any ordinary person. She was a queen. And she put that royal attire upon her head before she sat and looked out the window. And she knew that Jehu was coming in judgment according to the Word of the Lord. But Jezebel was determined arrogantly and adamantly against light to defy the Word of God to the bitter end. What are you saying? I'm saying the queen on the throne of Israel would not bow to the will of God. Let me get, let me get down where the rubber meets the road. You know what this thing boils down to, lost person? Do you know what this thing boils down to, child of God? Attitude. Attitude is altitude. What's your attitude towards God? What's your attitude towards the Word of God? Jezebel was not about to humble herself before God or anyone else. Jezebel had a glorious opportunity to repent. To beg for mercy and plead with God for mercy. And instead of asking for mercy, Jezebel arrogantly put her little tire on her head and stuck her little nose out the window. I found lately that's what a lot of sinners want to do. And God speaks to their heart. And they put on their little holy royal garb like a little queen or a little king. And they sit firmly on the throne of their heart and they say, Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, and that fat slobbering preacher ain't nudging me off the throne. And I'll sit here to the bitter end. And the Word of God said that she said, Had Zimri peace, who slew his master? Now look at this. Zimri was a wicked man. Zimri's already dead and in hell. Zimri was a leader in the army over half the chariots. And Zimri saw that the king was drunken with wine. And Zimri went in and murdered the king. Sat down on the throne and declared that I am king. And all the people of Israel saw that Zimri had done this. And they went to Omri the captain of the host, and said, Omri, we want you for a king. And so they took Omri and they went against Zimri. 
And for seven days, Zimri sat on the throne. And at the end of seven days, Zimri in fear and humility burned the house down and committed suicide when he saw his foolishness and died and went to hell. But now I want you to look what Jezebel does. Jezebel looks at Jehu, the prophet of God anointed by God to come and execute the word of God. Zimri's dead. Zimri's gone. Zimri ain't even in this picture. And Jezebel said, had Zimri peace who slew his master? Attitude, buddy. An attitude bigger than she was. Said, who do you think you are telling me? And I want you to look in 1 Kings chapter 21 verse 23. You remember Ahab was the wickedest king that had ever lived in Israel. That was her husband. That wicked Jezebel and wicked Ahab. First Kings 21 verse 23. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. And him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. There was not none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. The Word of God says that as wicked as Ahab was, that his wicked wife stirred him up against God and against the people of God. And he did very abominably. In following idols, according to all things, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. Verse 28, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab... Humbleth himself before me, because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. As wicked, as wicked as Ahab was, when God pronounced judgment on Ahab, Ahab rent his clothes. And the word of God said he humbled himself before the Lord. And God had mercy on wicked Ahab. And instead of judging him, he put the judgment off until Ahab was dead. And his sons reigned in his stead. God said, my word's true and my word will stand still. But I'll do what I said I'd do. But because you humbled yourself, you won't have to see this judgment in your lifetime. Yet Jezebel, yet Jezebel willing to justify her sin rather than humble herself began to lash out at Jehu and drag poor old Zimri into her mess. It's amazing. And I said this Sunday a week ago in the CDs in the vestibule tonight on the sermon of false prophets. 
that folks that profess to be saved and they're not saved and are false professors. When preacher Mike preaches and their ungodly sin begins to be exposed, if they do not have a heart of repentance, they begin to build up a wall and preacher Mike becomes the enemy. And the church becomes the enemy. And the people of God become the enemy. And when men justify themselves, instead of humbling themselves, they've got to pick apart everybody else. Even to the point, Zimri ain't nowhere on this scene. Zimri's dead in hell. And Jezebel's got to drag that rascal in this thing. So don't be surprised when somebody's sin gets uncovered and they go to dragging you into their mess. Because that's what the Word of God said happened. And it's amazing to me that there was an old message that an old man of God preached in Tampa, Florida. I heard one time when the Apostle Paul was in that shipwreck and they built that fire and that serpent come out. And bit him on the hand and he preached on when the fire burns, the snakes crawl. And when the fire burns, Brother Wesley, watch out, the snakes is going to crawl. And folks start getting drug into things and their little things start getting uncovered. And first thing you know, the snakes get all stirred up. But I'm going to tell you what, tonight Ahab got mercy. Ahab got mercy because when his sin got exposed, Ahab didn't, he didn't stand up and say, I didn't do all this. He said, I'm sorry. I really did mess up. And because he stood up and said, I messed up, it ain't nobody else's fault. He, you know what Ahab could have done? The Word of God, this Bible says that Jezebel stirred him up. Ahab could have stood up and said, Jezebel made me do it. But he didn't. Jezebel was guilty, but he didn't throw the blame on her. Zimri was guilty. But he didn't throw the blame on him. Ahab just said, I'm guilty. And I did wrong. She painted her face. She tired her head. And she looked out of the window. The window she looked out, no doubt, looked across Naboth's vineyard. Naboth was a righteous Israelite that had a piece of ground that was his inheritance that God gave him. Ahab approached Naboth and said, Give me thy vineyard that I might make it a garden of herbs. Naboth said, I will not sell it to thee for money. And he would not trade for a better piece of land. And Naboth's vineyard was a picture of the church and righteousness and holiness in a Christian life. And he said, I ain't selling out for some cheap little herbs. I got something that will sustain And Ahab and Jezebel conspired against Naboth and took his life and stole his vineyard. Now as Jezebel looks out the window, Jezebel had a front row seat to watch a righteous man live a righteous life. Jezebel had a witness. When she looked out that window, every time she saw Naboth working in his vineyard, she saw a righteous man that loved God and served God. And she saw somebody with a real Christian testimony. But instead of being stirred and moved by somebody that was changed by the grace of God, it hardened her heart and she stole his vineyard and took his life. 
And she despised that righteous man and stole what he had. She had a front row seat and died in the face of truth with the truth of God in plain view. 2 Kings 9 verse 34. When he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go now and see this cursed woman and bury her. For she is a king's daughter and they went to bury her and found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel. So that they shall not say, this is Jezebel. I'll give you this and we'll go to the house, okay? Jezebel's name by interpretation in the Hebrew language means the island of the dunghill. And the word of God pronounced on her prophetically as well as the reality was that when the thing was finished, the carcass of this cursed woman that was a queen in Israel who thought she was above the laws of God and above the judgment of God, one day sin took her to a place where she was dung on the open field. Sin, my friend, will take you farther than you ever planned to go. Cost you more than you ever planned to pay. And keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And the word of God said when it was finished. That you would not have even looked at her. And said that's Jezebel. Sin will take you so far. People will not even recognize who you are. The word of God said. That the dogs. Eat Jezebel. And the portion of Jezreel. I'll give you two things. We're going to go to the house. When Jehu came in and pronounced judgment on Jezebel, he came through the gate. He was in her yard under her window. And when Jezebel fell out of that window and he trod her under the horse's feet, Jehu got off the chariot, went in to eat lunch. And while he was gone, the dogs ate her corpse and left her skull, the palms of her hands, and the soles of her feet. Those no doubt were Jezebel's dogs. They were at her house inside her fence. I'll give you two things. Number one, Preacher Wesley, there was a day way back when when the dogs that ate her flesh were fuzzy, furry, whimpery little puppies. Harmless little puppies. No doubt there's not a lady or a little girl in this building tonight that at some point would not have cuddled and coddled and held those fuzzy, warm little puppies. Smell their little puppy breath and rub their little puppy belly. 
And all the in-between, somebody fed those little puppies. Somebody went out the back and throwed scraps out to them little puppies in the groove. Let me ask you, what kind of little puppies are you raising at your house tonight? Harmless. Little old things that wouldn't hurt a thing. And you just keep feeding them. How about where are you going when there ain't nobody looking? How about what you're watching when there ain't nobody there to see? How about what you're listening to when there ain't nobody there to listen with you? How about who you with when folks in the church ain't around? How about the kind of things you're saying when you don't think nobody's listening? Let me help you out tonight, saved or lost. You better watch your mouth. It'll come back and bite you one day. These folks sitting here, you ain't got no idea what Preacher Mike's done heard you said. Let me tell you, if folks think stuff that won't get back around the preacher, you're deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid. They will. And I love you. But I'm telling you tonight, if you're saved, you better be careful too. Let me tell you why you better be careful. There was a righteous man in this book by the name of Joseph. Joseph was a holy man walked with God. God showed Joseph a vision in a dream. And Joseph had brothers. And Joseph's 11 brothers were not spiritual. They were carnal, wicked men, Brother Jesse. And Joseph made a grave error in trying to talk to his brothers about spiritual things. And they wasn't grown up enough to talk about them. And guess what happened? It come back and bit Joseph. Because they got jealous. And they hid him in a pit and sold him into slavery. Now I'm going to tell you tonight, you listen to me, listen to me, preacher, if you're saved by the grace of God. I don't care how good of buddies you've got, and I don't care how much confidence you think it's in. If you've got a problem with your tongue, you better tie it in a knot. There'll be things you'll wish 10,000 times you'd never said. And after you've said it, it's like ringing a bell. You can't get it back. Once you scramble the egg, it ain't going back in the shell. Same way it come out. And I'm just telling you, you may raise some little puppies around your house. And you may think it's harmless. And you may think it's something you can just flirt with just a little bit. And you never meant for it to go that far. Hey, fellas, there may be some little old waitress in a little old cafe you stop at by yourself once in a while, talks real friendly and smiles at you real pretty. You may think it's harmless enough just to kind of josh with her a little bit, kind of drop your guard just a little bit. You keep feeding that puppy, she'll grow up by you one day. Amen. The girls, there may be some little old boy snake around work, and you catch him looking over the copy machine, and you catch him coming around the break room waiting for his opportunity to get to sit at your table waiting for his opportunity to get to tell you how pretty you look today uh-huh. you just be careful you get to feeding that puppy she'll come back bite you one day are you listening to you preacher tonight I do not know the Bible does not declare the in-betweens but I know one thing for a biological fact them dogs started out as puppies Miss Pat and the second thing I know, the word, of, the word of God declares 
there came a day they ate her for lunch. Well, it's good and quiet, Flint Hill Baptist Church tonight. I don't have to point out your sin. You know what kind of puppies you've been raising. You know where you've been going. You know what you've been doing. You know what you've been saying. You know what you've been thinking. But I'm telling you, you feed that thing long enough, she'll bite you one day. And you keep on feeding it. And they're real cute when they're little and they got them little needle teeth and you stick your fingers in their mouth and they'll gnaw on you. But there'll come a day that thing will rip you in shreds and they'll chew your bloody corpse. Tonight, sin will ravage you. And you may think you're getting away with it right now, but there'll come a day you'll wish ten million times you'd have turned from your sin. And if you're lost, you'll wish for eternity you'd have just humbled your heart like Ahab. Ahab was a wicked man, but all God required was for him to humble his heart. But you know what Jezebel did? She was not going to be humbled by God or nobody, Brother Jesse. She painted her face. She wrapped her head and she looked out the window and said, ain't nobody telling me what to do. And she died and went to hell. And the dog she raised ate her flesh. What a sad ending to a sad story. But there is hope because attitude is altitude. What's your attitude about your sin? When you're confronted with it, does it break your heart? I never will forget, Brother Jody, I was in Rollins, Wyoming, and I went to preach a series of meetings in a church. They'd put us up in a little old hotel there on the outskirts of town, Brother Wesley. And I preached on Sunday morning. My precious wife looked at me sometime in the day in that motel as we talked. My wife looked at me and she said, Honey, something's wrong. She said, But that just wasn't right in the preaching today. Miss Drew, it made me feel about that tall. But I didn't get puffed up. I didn't get mad at my wife. But I took my Bible. And I went to a little 1987 Maul Brown Toyota van in the hotel parking lot. And I parked out in the edge away from everybody. And Brother Jesse, I went before God until I heard from heaven. And the Holy Ghost cleaned sin out of my heart. And I got to repent and I got to fellowship with God. And I got to walk back in that church and preach in the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God. And if you're saved tonight and God pricks your heart about your sin, if you've got an attitude of repentance, God will forgive you. And God will help you. And God will will straighten you out if you won't rebel. Amen. If you're lost, God pricks you about your sin. You just need to humble your heart. Because my Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Heads bowed and eyes closed.